The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Wall Street bracing for a wild Wednesday after yesterday's big sell-off. The Dow did something for the first time since Thanksgiving. One reason, borrowing costs and interest rates continue to rise, not just here. We'll tell you what happened in Germany that hasn't happened there in years. Even after that massive Microsoft Activision deal, one video game maker is seeing its stock sink double digits in the overnight trade. Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, and now SoFi? Big news for the fintech startup that could is its stock is set to pop at the open. And in the 5G flight fight, one side going to the corner, at least for now. What Verizon and AT&T agreed to that could help your flight land safely for now. It's Wednesday, January 19th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome, as always, from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Good morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's kick off your Wednesday morning with the market, because what else? It has been the story of 2022, at least economically, and we are seeing stock futures turn around just a bit. They are in the green, not a whole lot, but they are up. Just a touch. Now, all this after a very rough day for Wall Street. It saw the Dow fall more than one and a half percent. It's worst day since November 26, Thanksgiving, and it's third down day in a row. It was worse still for big tech and the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ composite coming off a more than two percent loss and closing below a key technical level, that 200 day moving average. It's the first time it has closed below that mark since April of 2020, just when the pandemic hit. Now, the NASDAQ 100, much more widely owned, the QQQ ETF, is really sitting just on that 200-day moving average level. Watch that. Pretty important technically. If it can hold, maybe the market rallies. If not and breaks through, it becomes resistance to the upside. Something, of course, we will help you to watch. Now, with all the weakness of the big averages lately, it may be hard for you to keep track of where we are. You have day jobs, but don't worry That's why we're here. We're going to do it for you. So here's how far the major averages are from their recent record highs. The Dow down just over 4%. The S&P on that 5% mark. The NASDAQ just over 10%. NASDAQ 100, by the way, is about 10%. The Russell 2015 small caps have gotten pushed around lately. And the transports kind of widely widely seen as a leading indicator down about 14% from their recent high. Meantime, in bonds... Maybe the big story of the year so far for the markets, the five and 10 year yields trading near their highest level since January of 2020 before the pandemic and lockdowns and the 10 year note on the rise again, that yield around 1.9%. Homebuyers, take note, mortgage rates, they're on the rise and they are likely going higher from here. Just something to put in the back of your mind. It's also, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, going to cost you more to fill up your gas tank too. Oil rising nearly every day this year. It is higher right now as well. 
It is at just about eight-year highs this morning. The price of gasoline in parts of, say, California already at or above $5 a gallon. All right, around the world, history in the making, CNBC style, as a key benchmark yield turns positive for the first time since 2019. Rosanna Lockwood is in our London newsroom with that and some of the early movers. And this historic day for German bond yields, Rosanna, tell us about it. I couldn't be more excited, Brian. Lovely to be with you from London this morning. Just first, I'll quickly take you through the equities because let's not pretend like this is the story of the day. It is fixed income, like you said. But the FTSE 100 just slightly above the flat line, better than it has been this week. The CAC 40, the outperformer today in France, just around six tenths of a percent up. President Macron just about to give a major speech. The FTSE MIB, the laggard. But let's switch to those German Bund yields. There was a lot of excitement here in the EMEA newsroom for CNBC as we saw the 10-year cross into positive territory for the first time since May 2019. You can see there, there at the end, it's just holding on at 0.0060%. You've still got the five-year and the two-year, though, in negative territory, but this is a historic moment. You're seeing this rise in rates worldwide, but for Germany, a big deal. In 2016, you saw it dip below that flat line, then raise slightly again, then back down after 2019 to finally above that as we see this continued sell-off in yields and this sort of risk-on appetite towards the market. Just bringing a couple of corporate stories as well. While we're here, the Dutch chipmaker ASML, fourth quarter earnings came in higher than expected at 1.7 billion euros. The company expecting a 20% increase in sales this year. And in other news, another story we're watching, TikTok owner ByteDance has dissolved its investment department to strengthen the focus of the business. The Chinese group saying the move will boost the coordination between strategic research and the business. Now, this news does come as ByteDance undergoes restructuring since its founder, Zhang Yiming, stepped down as chairman in the fall. I'm Rosanna Lockwood, and those are the top stories from Europe. Brian, back to you. Well, I'm Brian Sullivan, Rosanna Lockwood, and I will take it back from you, cross-Atlantic style. Rosanna, thank you very much. All right, now, meantime, back home on the rough start to this year so far. Now, according to facts, at 119 S&P 500 companies, or about 21, 22 percent of the index, are technically now in a bear market, down more than 20% from their most recent 52-week highs. Now, of course, a bear market is actually a process. Don't at me. I get it. But if you're talking just technical terms, that 20% move, they're there. Now, of those 119 stocks, 12 of them are down more than 20% this year alone. Some of the biggest losers, Moderna, Etsy, battery maker Enphase, and Align Technology. But, of course, the idea in the market is to buy lower and sell higher, right? Let's talk more now about this market setup. This year, Michael Sheldon, Chief Investment Officer at RDM Financial Group, joins us now. Michael, I haven't seen you. Happy New Year. Good to have you back on the program. What do you Happy make of the first wild weeks so far of 2022? Well, it's only been about 12 days so far this year, but it uh, feels like a month or two. Um, I have to say the markets have gotten off to a bit of an unsettled start. Um, we remain, I think, constructive for the entire year. And that's based on the fact that uh, the consumer is in generally a pretty healthy position right now. The manufacturing sector is doing well. Uh, new orders continue to rise. They're at a healthy level. And overall, we see about 8 to 10 percent earnings per share growth. And over longer time periods, stocks tend to follow the direction of corporate profits. So those are the positives. Uh, over the short term, the markets will probably likely remain unsettled, and there are really three reasons for that, and we've talked quite a bit about that. First is the Omicron virus. 
Second is the Fed. And third is inflation. And in terms of those three areas, the Fed is probably the biggest wild card. Uh, the Fed is moving from really ultra accommodative policy right now to accommodative policy. And at this point, four rate, four rate hikes are sort of penciled in by the markets for this year. So at some point, investors may sort of ease off the gas and interest rates, interest rates will probably stabilize because a lot of some of the pressure is already in the market already. In terms of the virus, the Omicron yeah. virus, um, clearly that's been a, a well, problem. Michael, I wanna, let, me, let, me, let me cut in there, sure. Michael, let me cut in there and get back to get back to rates, because, you know, we assume that a rate hike is going to be a quarter point. Bill Ackman and others have suggested maybe we need a half point, sort of a shock and awe type rate hike. I think there's somebody from J.P. Morgan's bond department yesterday that was calling for like seven or eight rate hikes this year to you. How settled is the Fed? What do you think is going to happen? Well, if you listen to the to the um, to the Powell Fed over the past couple of years, he does not like to surprise the market in a major way. So I think he's likely to take a prudent approach. He's talked. They've obviously they've sped up the the number of rate hikes and the timing of that. And I think one of the issues also is that the market is dealing with rising rates at the same time that the Fed is now talking about allowing their balance sheet to roll off. So that quantitative tightening, tightening along with rate increases is really what's unsettled the market. It's that combination, I think. If you look back, unfortunately, to 2018, there was a period somewhat similar to this, and Powell sort of pivoted and took his foot off the, off the, off the brakes there. So I think the Fed is very unlikely to raise rates by 50 basis points unless inflation stays above this 6% level for, for a longer than expected period. All right. So now let's go back to the other risks this year. You mentioned, obviously, Omicron. I published some stuff from the IHME. Hopefully this is winding down by March or April. Their estimates, not my opinion. What about the election? Let's move on. We talk about we forget that there is a massive midterm election coming up in November of this year. I know November seems like a long way away, Michael, but markets react before things actually occur. Do you think that could cause more volatility overall in stocks? Well, I think at this point, the numbers indicate that, especially for a first-term president and also for a president whose approval rating is, is where Biden's is right now, it seems like the, the Republicans will be uh, making serious gains in both the House and the Senate. So I think from the market's perspective, uh, you know, we've had a tremendous amount of stimulus, trillions of dollars over the past few years. And that's, I think you could argue that's partly contributed to above-average consumer spending and above-average inflation that we're currently seeing not the only reason we're seeing that high inflation. So to the extent that the Republicans come in and we see less in the way of fiscal spending, uh, I think the markets may uh, see that as a positive. Well, let's hope we are seeing futures up just a little bit today, although some technical levels may be holding as well. There's a lot going on under the hood of the markets. Michael Sheldon, appreciate it. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we are just getting started here on Worldwide Exchange. You're welcome. And when we come back on the heels of Microsoft's blockbuster deal for Activision, another video game maker going the other way, seeing its stock cut down to size. That's the chart, the name straight ahead. Shares of SoFi surging as it gets some major love from regulators. We'll tell you about it. But first, is the backup at the ports really getting better? No, not really. But that just might be some good news for you as an investor. We'll tell you why ahead. Sticking around.
What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, good morning and welcome or welcome back to Worldwide Exchange, everybody. Let's get you up to speed on some of this morning's top corporate news. Savannah Hanau joining us now with those headlines and more. Savannah, good morning. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Well, shares of Sony making a sharp move lower in overnight Asian trading, closing down more than 12 percent on new competition concerns after gaming rival Microsoft said it is buying Activision Blizzard for an industry record 68 $0.7 billion. In a note to clients overnight, research shop Asymmetric Advisors, which recommends shorting the stock, says Sony will have a, quote, monumental challenge on its hands to stand its own in this war of attrition, adding headwinds for Sony are only going to get tougher. BJ's Wholesale Club is reportedly moving its co-branded credit card accounts from Alliance Data Systems to Capital One, according to the Wall Street Journal. The move marks a major blow to ADS with BJ's among its most prized credit card partnerships, accounting for roughly $1.5 billion in balances. BJ's yesterday sued ADS, claiming the company is slowing down the process of transferring the existing card accounts. Capital One's name is redacted from the lawsuit. And shares of SoFi are rallying in the pre-market on news the fintech cleared its final regulatory hurdle in becoming a bank. The San Francisco-based company says it received approval from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency and Federal Reserve to become a bank-holding company. In order to become a bank, SoFi plans to acquire California community lender Golden Pacific Bancor and operate its bank subsidiary as SoFi Bank. The deal was announced last year and is expected to close in February, Brian. All right, Savannah Hanau with your top headlines. Savannah, I'll see you in a bit. Thank you very much. You got it. All right, now let us talk shipping and shipping rates because last year was a boom year for boat owners. You know, companies who own or charter big container ships or tankers, they brought in huge money as a world desperate for goods was willing to pay up. Container rates have more than quadrupled since the March of 2020. Now, some of those rates have pulled back a bit since the fall, but they are still really, really high. That's a technical term. And many stocks like Zim Holdings have benefited. Let's talk more about all this with Randy Gibbons, Senior VP of Equity Research at Jefferies, by the way. He's got his top stock picks for the year and was just named one of TipRank's top 25 analysts on all of Wall Street last year with a 76% success rate. So, Randy, congratulations on that. Uh, we celebrated by, by asking you to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning out there in Texas or 3. Thank you, by the way, for doing it. Uh, where do we stand right now? Clear it up. Uh, I've posted some screenshots of ships. 
you know, they'll say it's better off L.A., but they just moved them basically down to Mexico. They're kind of hiding the ships rather than have them sit offshore. Where are we really with shipping uh, demand and port congestion right now? Hey, good morning, Brian. We are at an all time high for shipping demand, for port congestion, for shipping freight rates for the container boxes that you see coming in, obviously, from China and then on the 18 wheelers and trains. Right. So when it comes to port congestion, there was a lot of headlines saying it's getting better and better because there were fewer ships in the San Pedro Bay right outside of L.A. Long Beach. But that's just because they told them to wait 150 miles further west off the coast, right, in this safety and air quality area, SAQA. So right now you have over 100 container ships waiting to come into L.A. and Long Beach to get offloaded, to go on the chassis and the trucks and the rail to get to the distribution network. So, yes, it's gotten worse and worse. And now it's not just in L.A. Long Beach. It's down here in Houston. It's over in Savannah. It's on the U.S. East Coast. It's really worldwide at this point. And it just gets more and more backed up. Yeah, a lot of these ships will say, you know, forget about it. Let's just go through the Panama Canal and go to Charleston or Savannah instead of sitting and waiting in L.A. What does this mean for shipping rates? I mean, there's no way the gains from 2020 can hold. Like, we get that, but are they, are they holding up at all? Are they firming up? Where are they? Absolutely. Right. Everyone thought when the rates peaked in October – that that was going to be the beginning of the end. Rates ticked down a little bit in November, and everyone thought, oh, we're going back to pre-COVID levels. After about two weeks, they started going back up, right? And now, as that chart shows, we're back to all-time highs ahead of Chinese New Year, the Beijing Winter Olympics. So all these factories in Asia are pumping out as much product as they can to get ahead of that. So we think rates will keep ticking up, at least for the next few weeks. Then there'll be some seasonal softness in February, with the Chinese yeah. New Year. And, and then we think rates in 22, although they might not stay at these levels the whole year, they won't. They're not going to fall back to pre-COVID either. So they'll moderate somewhere between yeah. where they are today and where they've been last year. Okay, you made a great call on Zim, ZIM, and others. What are some of your top names, Randy, for this year? Yeah, uh, great question. Zim, that story has been like Psalm 121, a song of a sense, right? And other picks in the same sector are Denounce Corporation. They own the container ships. Now, turning to LNG shipping, we've seen some blowout prices there. We really like Golar, ticker GLNG. On the dry bulk side, moving the iron ore, the coal, the grains. That's Starbulk Carriers, SBLK, and Genco, GNK. On the LPG shipping side, Navigator Holdings, NDGS. They're shipping mm-hmm. out ethylene. And then lastly, with tankers, eventually that recovery will come. And we really like international seaways, ticker INSW. Love it. Navigator, international seaways, Golar, which sounds like a Godzilla uh, battle, uh, which I love, and Zim Holdings. Randy Givens and Jeffries, a great call there. We'll let you get back to bed, my friend. But we appreciate you getting up early. Made investors a lot of money. Thank you very much. Take care. And- Fine. See ya. All right. You're very welcome. All right. On deck, more hot water for Golden State Warriors co-owner Chamath Palihapitiya as the world reacts to his comments that, quote, no one cares about the human rights abuses against Muslims in China. The latest next.
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Now, one reason that oil and natural gas prices have soared lately is the fear that Russia may invade Ukraine. Tensions have been very high in the region. And now U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is in Ukraine meeting with officials and trying to calm both sides. NBC News chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel is live in Kiev. We are very pleased that he can join us right now. Richard, uh, thank you very much. Today's meeting by Blinken is the first in a series of high-profile sit-downs over the next few days, including one with his Russian counterpart. What can we expect? Well, this is another attempt at diplomacy. Last week, there was a, a... Several, there were several diplomatic meetings in, in Europe. They did not achieve any breakthroughs. So now uh, this was a, a quickly organized last minute, maybe last ditch effort to stave off a Russian invasion. And what we're seeing now is a, is a different tone coming out of U.S. officials. For, for weeks now, U.S. officials have been warning about a, the Russian buildup. There are about 100,000 troops on three sides of the Ukrainian border. But uh, just recently, Russia moved more troops, columns of tanks into Belarus. And U.S. officials are now saying the time has come, that if, uh, that if Russia wants to do it, it can do it, that it has the forces available now to launch an invasion at any minute. And uh, Secretary Blinken here, he met with uh, U.S. embassy staff, was talking about contingencies for their uh, deployments and, and their families' deployments should a wider war e- escalate or a wider war break out. So uh, we, are, we are now at a different stage of the game, and they, we're, we're seeing yet another uh, round of diplomacy to try to, to, to basically get Russia to pull back. Uh, Russia is demanding uh, that NATO never expand into Ukraine, that it never expand into Georgia, and that NATO shrink pulling back uh, from Eastern Europe and the Baltic states, uh, countries that it expanded to after the collapse of the Soviet Union, NATO says that is effectively a non-starter. So the two sides, uh, at least publicly, are at loggerheads, and now the Russian troops mm. are in a position, U.S. officials say, to attack should they want to. Is this, Richard, all about that NATO expansion? Is there other things at work? We've talked a lot about how Russia may be exerting power to force Germany to approve that Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline, that there may be other things at work that Russia is using this, these troops and this leverage over to, to try to get some concessions from Europe and the United States. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you have to also look at Afghanistan. 
Uh, the world, including Russia, watched uh, the, the Biden administration pull out uh, of, of Afghanistan after the Trump administration signed a deal with the Taliban. And Russia has clearly made the calculus if the United States and NATO are not going to fight the Taliban, then the United States and NATO aren't going to fight Russia on Russia's doorstep. Uh, so he, he feels he's in a very uh, strong position and he's pushing a maximalist agenda. He's pushing for the contraction of NATO, which personally is something that Vladimir Putin has talked a great deal uh, about. He's talked and written uh, over the last several months about his affinity to, uh, to, to Ukraine, that Ukraine has uh, always been a part of the, the Russian soul, the Russian nation, the Russian heart. Uh, so uh, he, he feels that the time is now, that he wants to, to, to expand in, in many different ways, and he's trying to, to weigh the, the balance. Will there be punishing economic sanctions, how serious they will be, and whether he could weather the storm? There is a lot of questions, and that's why Secretary of State Blinken is there, and that's why you are there as well, Richard Engel, and we certainly appreciate it. Massive global story, Richard. Thank you. Be well. All right, right now, let's get to some of this morning's top headlines stateside, including more on how you can get some taxpayer-funded COVID tests now sent directly to your home, courtesy of the post office here now with that and more, is Philomena in New York. Good morning, Philip. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Breaking overnight, a New York's attorney general announcing new details of her civil investigation of the Trump organization. AG Letitia James has filed a motion to compel former President Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., and Ivanka Trump to give sworn testimony about financial dealings. The attorney general says the investigation has uncovered significant evidence that the Trump organization used fraudulent and misleading information to obtain economic benefits, and that the former president, Don Jr. and Ivanka, have all been closely involved in the transactions. Her office said it had not yet reached a final decision regarding whether this evidence merits legal action. Previously, the Trump legal team has argued that the state cannot issue subpoenas for testimony as part of this civil investigation, while the state is also engaged in a criminal investigation that has an active grand jury. NBC News reached out to the Trump Organization overnight for comment on the allegations. Attorneys for Don Jr., Ivanka, and the former president did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Tomorrow marks one year since President Biden was sworn into office. And later today, he'll be wrapping up his first year with his second formal press conference. The president is expected to highlight his achievements, but he's also bracing for some tough questions on key setbacks, like the surge in COVID cases across the country fueled by the Omicron variant and the soaring inflation that can be felt everywhere from the grocery store to the car dealership. Last year marked the highest rise in consumer prices since 1982. Help is on the way for millions of Americans who are struggling to find those at-home COVID-19 tests. The Biden administration launched a website where people can order at-home rapid COVID test kits. Every home in the U.S. is eligible to order four tests. Orders will usually ship in 7 to 12 days. To get yours, you can head over to covidtests.gov. And the White House says it will also make 400 million non-surgical N95 masks available for free at thousands of locations nationwide. That's it here from here, Brian. Back to you. Ordered mine yesterday. Says delivery late January. Hopefully they'll get here sooner than later, but it was, I have to say the website was, was really easy and quick to use. Yeah. Philip Menem, thank you very much. All right. All right. On deck, your morning RBI and the places Americans are moving to right now. Plus something incredible had just happened 
So many people are apparently moving out of California, a stat you've got to hear. We've never heard it before. And as we head to break, futures and oil both higher right now. We'll leave you with some of Tuesday's big decliners. Worldwide exchange back in two minutes. Is the new year. Stock sell-off finally slowing down. Futures, they're holding up. All-stars Jeff Kilberg and Jenny Harrington are here to guide you through all this volatility and some of their best ideas right now. The 5G flight fight on pause. As the phone companies take a break in their new rollout, as airlines warn your safety could be at risk. Former Spirit Airlines CEO Ben Baldanza is here. In your morning RBI on the top five places we're moving to right now, and one incredible stat around California, as far as we know, has never happened before. You'll hear it coming up on this Wednesday, January 19th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, welcome or welcome back, and good Wednesday morning. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us and getting up early or ending your day with us if you're across the other side of the world. All right. Let's get right now to stocks and your money futures. They are in the green. They're not up a lot, but we are seeing some slight gains in the market this morning. You can see that we're up, uh, what, like one-tenth of one percent, but not seeing that selling follow-through after a rough couple of days, really a rough start to the year for many of the major stock averages. Now, on Tuesday, the Dow fell more than one and a half percent, its worst day since November 26th, third down day in a row, by the way, if you're counting at home. Tech and NASDAQ, even worse, the NASDAQ composite falling below its 200-day moving average. First time that has happened since the pandemic hit back in April of 2020. Big tech and high valuation stocks falling as interest rates rising, and they are rising again right now. Ten-year yields continue to tick up, trading near their highest level since January of 2020. It's pre-COVID, by the way, which means that mortgage rates are going to keep rising as well. And why don't we get an overall sentiment check, shall we? Because this is interesting. Now, I thought about making the RBI, but I didn't. It comes via Deutsche Bank, and it's a new survey asking investors a very simple question. Their appetite right now for risk assets, a.k.a. stocks. If you can't see it, I'll read it for you. So far this month, compared to last month, 0% of those Deutsche Bank surveyed say they are much more bullish. 0%. Now, 12% said they are slightly more bullish than one month ago. 47% said slightly more bearish. And 36% just can't make up their mind or saying they are unchanged in their outlook. But if you are a bull for stocks, that Deutsche Bank sentiment check, maybe, maybe not the kind of optimism or lack thereof that you want to see. All right, let's talk more about all this. Dive further in with our friend, that is Jeff Kilberg. Chief Investment Officer at Sanctuary Wealth, CNBC contributor. Jeff, thanks for getting up early, my man. Uh, How would you have answered that survey? Well, Sully, I'm a little more optimistic than most, but you're absolutely right. And I want to take a step back for one moment. Think about the conditioned marketplace that we have. We've become so conditioned by the Federal Reserve. Nobody likes a 5% pullback, let alone a 10% pullback like we've had in the NASDAQ 100. So in the last 18 months, we've become so conditioned that the market can't go down. So sure enough, we have had elevated volatility as expected. We're seeing the 10-year note have one of the the high velocity moves that we didn't anticipate as it's at 1.88% right now. So it makes all the sense in the world that this survey reveals a bit of bearishness or a bit of confusion when it comes to risk appetite. 
But at the end of the day, I do believe that the Federal Reserve is not going to have a misstep. I do believe that this is very healthy, and this is typical of a market cycle. Normally, we have three 5% pullbacks within a year. Now, all of a sudden that we have one, people are trying to crawl underneath their desk. But this is an opportunity. So like, I'm optimistic here, and I think you have to have proper exposure as we really are grappling with this growth and value situation. All right. What should we, in the stock market terms, nothing else, expose ourselves to? Well, Sully, I think now is the opportunity when you look at some of these laggard names. Look at a Boeing. Look at a Lockheed Martin. Look at the airlines by in general. We're still trying to work through Omicron and whatever potential variants come out. But as we have optimism and some hopium to go back to some form of normalcy in Q2 of 2022, I think there really is an opportunity to own some of these names. But I do have a tilt. We talk about a lot of the essential names, those epicenter names. They are coming back in vogue, but don't throw away technology. We still like semiconductors. I still think you have to have exposure. Look at SOXX. That's the broad swath ETF. And then lastly, one other sector I want to talk about I know interest rates are moving higher, Sully. I do believe that 2% is the ceiling in the 10-year note, but housing is pulling back a little bit, but we still like housing. We still like Home Depot, even though it's had a rough start to 2022. Yeah, you do like housing, even even with rates potentially on the rise, Jeff. I mean, mortgage rates have got to go up. Sully, look at any tier one city, Chicago, New York, LA, the supply component really is underserved right now. We're seeing demand in all these suburbans as people continue to look for more housing, more opportunities to work from home. Therefore, I think despite the fact that interest rates will move higher, historically, interest rates are very low. And that supply component, so look at ITB, that's a broad swath home construction ETF. That gives you exposure. I still think there's more room to run there. But Sully, there's going to be volatility. The VIX is only at 23. I think people have to really understand that this is normalcy. We've been so conditioned for so long by Fed Chairman Powell and the massive amounts of liquidity that's been injected. No one likes a 1% pullback, let alone a 5% pullback in the S&P 500. All right, watching IBM, watching Lockheed Martin, watching some of the home builders, the steady voice there. And by the way, Jeff, I loved that you dropped in a little hopium reference, taking me back like 10 years ago, Jeff Kil- 10, 30 pounds ago. Jeff Kilberg, appreciate it, my friend. You bet, Sally. Take care, pal. Uh, all right, take care. All right, coming up, former airline, Spirit Airlines CEO Ben Baldanza is here. He's going to lay out what's really going on. In this 5G flight fight between the airlines and AT&T and Verizon and why he says this is a face-off that is a major ball drop by the federal government. But as we had to break, some of your other top headlines happening right now on this Wednesday morning. Shares of SoFi, they are rising in the pre-market news that the fintech cleared its final regulatory hurdle in becoming a bank. You've made it. You're a bank. In order to do so, SoFi plans to acquire Southern California community lender Golden Pacific Bank Corp and operate its bank subsidiary as SoFi Bank. That deal expected to close next month. Meantime, a SPAC backed by Chamath Palihapitiya striking a deal, even as he faces backlashes over his comments that, quote, nobody cares about extensive human rights abuses against Muslims in China. A deal between Social Capital and Pro Kidney, a therapeutics company focusing on treating chronic kidney disease, values the combined company more than $2.5 billion. And Ford says it will record a more than $8 billion gain in its fourth quarter results thanks to its investment in Rivian. Ford owns about 12% of Rivian. By the way, that stock 
getting hit hard. Back below its IPO price is 76 bucks a share. Yikes, it was at 176 a few days after the IPO. We're back right after this. All right, welcome or welcome back. In the showdown between the country's biggest airlines and the cell phone industry, it appears the latter may have blinked first, at least for now. Verizon and AT&T now say they will not roll out their new faster 5G cell service around the nation's biggest airports. In other words, you'll have it, then the signal will drop as you get near an airport, then it'll come back. It's all on worries that the signals could interfere with critical cockpit technology. Now, the companies insist 5G is not a threat to aviation. But the FAA, airlines, pilots, even manufacturers are not convinced. And they warn of massive passenger and cargo disruptions if the systems go live as originally planned. Joining us now to discuss is former Spirit Airlines CEO Ben Baldanza. He's also the host of the Airlines Confidential Podcast. Ben, great to have you back on again. Listen, with all due respect, or I guess respect to Verizon and AT&T, if I have to listen to one side about what's a risk to airlines. I'm listening to the airline side. I don't really care what Verizon and AT&T have to say about airline safety if pilots, airlines, and the FAA are saying it could be a risk. Where do you stand? Well, I think you're right about that, Brian, and good morning. You know, let's let's understand what's really happening here. Many modern airliners use what are called radio altimeters, and what that does is it sends a signal from the plane down to the ground, and that signal bounces back up, and it tells the pilot how high the airplane is off the ground. There's nothing about a 5G rollout that will change the way those radio altimeters work. The risk is that a high-power 5G tower near the airport might send a signal that's received by that radio altimeter and therefore provide misleading information to the pilot. So around the world, as 5G has been rolled out, like in Europe, for example, it's been rolled out at a little lower power setting. And European airlines have not had the problem we've had in the U.S., but European cell phone users have a lower power or maybe even slightly different range within the C-band where 5G operates for their 5G. In the U.S. now, this has been known for four years, Brian, at least. Back in 2018, the FAA was warning the FCC that the power power being used and the range of the C-band being used could send false messages to airliners. But the, but the wireless industry just kept moving forward, not changing its band, not changing its power, and it's gotten to this face-off. It's good that yeah. the wireless carriers have delayed their implementation around airports, but the right long-term answer is not going to be no 5G around airports. It's going to be understanding the right power to use. Why is this so hard to figure out if Europe seems to have already figured out? What's the problem? You know, the, the problem is just people, what, the right hand not talking to the left hand, right? The FAA has known this for a while. They've been screaming this for a while. The FCC has been moving forward with the wireless carriers, defining the bands to sell for 5G, the power settings, things like that. But they're just talking past each other. And now it's come to a head because the airlines have had to say, look, we're going to have to cancel thousands of flights, potentially. There were flights coming across the Atlantic that were already canceled today because they didn't know if they were going to 
have a tr- if they were going to have trouble landing. It's especially a problem in bad weather when these radio altimeters are particularly important because the pilot isn't even seen physically out in front of them. So it's really unfortunate it's got yeah. to this. The right answer, though, is that consumers can have great cellular service and airlines can be safe, but it's got to get to a mutual meeting of the minds here. If there's even a slight chance, if I, you know, all, all we said last year, Ben, across everything with COVID is out of an abundance of caution, children can't play on an outdoor playground. And now we're actually having a debate about airline safety. It's just stupid. It seems incredible. Uh, ben, thanks for bringing some rationale and calmness to it. We appreciate it. Thank you very ben much, Brian. We'll be like safe in the air for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll put you in there. It sounds like you can figure it out. By the way, don't miss Verizon Chairman and CEO Hans Vestberg coming up at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time today on this very issue. My guess is, just as Wild Stab, he will take the other side of that story. All right, on deck. Stocks are going to shake off yesterday. Steep losses bracing for more big bank earnings. But our friend Jenny Harrington is here to make sense of all this market volatility and a former tech titan that is high on her radar right now. And a gentle reminder, if you haven't already, Check out our podcast. We know the show's on early. Can't watch it every day. Check it out later in the day. It's great. We we appreciate it. Stock futures are up by one-tenth of one percent. Oil higher as well. We're back right after this. Time now for today's RBI, and today it's a little bit bittersweet because as somebody who was born in Los Angeles who lived in California until I was a teenager, I have a lot of fond memories of the state. For a lot of people, it's going to be just the same. Memories. 
because a lot of people are leaving the Golden State in the rearview mirror. So much, so many, in fact, that something random but interesting just happened. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Meantime, U-Haul's growth index was just unveiled, showing the state to the highest percentage of U-Haul trucks going in versus going out. And here are the states with the most inbound moves last year. You can probably figure it out by now. Looks familiar, right? Number one, Texas. Number two, Florida. Number three, Tennessee. By the way, all three of those states, no state income tax. Number four, South Carolina. Maybe a little surprise there in the Palmetto State sneaking in. And number five, Arizona. We should note again, three of those, no state income tax. Are you figuring something out by now? Anyway, so why do we mention California? Because once again, California was the number one state for moving out. U-Haul said this, quote, California remained the top state for out migration, but its net loss of U-Haul trucks was not as severe as 2020. Okay, so it sounds like things may be getting a little better, right? Nope. Listen to the rest of it. Quote, that can be partially attributed to the fact that U-Haul simply ran out of inventory to meet customer demand for outbound equipment, end quote. Let that stick. U-Haul ran out of trucks to go out of California. You know how U-Haul gets its trucks in in a certain place, right? Some people go one way, others go back the other. It usually balances out. Not this time. Seems the Golden State is out of balance. Houston, Tampa, Nashville, they are the winners of that. Let's hope for California's sake that this changes this year. Random but interesting. No more U-Hauls. All right, back now to the markets. Investors trying to balance out what has happened so far this year. Jenny Harrington of Gilman Hill Asset Management with us. Jenny, uh, what do you make of this year? It's kind of a, a weird time. Let's talk more about rates in the market. What's your view? So I'm not as dismal and negative on what's going on in the market as maybe the headlines would suggest. So it looks like a broad-based sell-off superficially when you say, okay, the S&P is down 4% year-to-date. Um, realistically, what I'm seeing is that it's a continue of the rotation that started in September of 2020. And within that rotation, it's not all bad under the surface. You've got huge divergences out there. So you've got things like, hold on, I had to write it down because I knew I wouldn't remember it this early. But you've got things like the S&P down 4%. But guess what? ACWI, the all-country world index, excluding the U.S., is barely down at all. It's only down 0.2%. You've got the Russell 2000 value that's down 2%, but growth down 11%. And then this is where it gets really crazy. You've got the ARC funds down 18.7% year-to-date, but you have the Dow Jones Select Dividend Index up 3% year-to-date. And then you've got tech that's down 7 but energy that's up 17% on the year. So I'm not seeing this in the negative light that it looks like superficially. I'm seeing what's going on in the market as a very healthy rotation as risk is being repriced. And I think that's really what's happening. We're seeing risk being repriced after almost a decade of maybe five to 10 years of, um, of risky assets just getting wild and crazy. And we're just seeing a value correction right now, a valuation correction, which is really healthy for the long run. So I like what's going on, even if it's yeah. not if it's not as pretty, you know, as it has been. And you're pretty steady, Eddie, when it comes to your ideas and your picks. There are a group of people, <clears throat> I roll, I will not name them, that, you know, are suddenly bullish on energy stocks, oil and gas, right? And they'll tell you secretly they love them, but eh, they just... Now they love them. Anyway, are you uh, right. a I'm- massive buyer of the oil and gas stocks right now, Jenny? And you know what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. yeah, after everyone claimed, oh, it's uninvestable for so many years. No, it wasn't uninvestable. Everything's cyclical. So I wouldn't say I'm a massive buyer, but I'm a strong holder of what we own. I'm not adding to our positions. And I think it's interesting because energy, like I said, is up 17% collectively as a space this year. It was up 55% last year. So I'm actually a little surprised that we're you know, up this much year to date but I'm definitely holding um, what we've got. In fact, one of the companies that we really like is from our international strategy, and that's Total Energy. So here you have a company that's trading at eight times earnings, has a 5.2% dividend yield, and is a direct beneficiary of the price of oil being at $86 a barrel. Um, We also own Chevron, as you know, Ryan, we've talked about that over the years. Still holding it, very comfortable with it, but I don't think that we're gonna have the same kinds of returns going forward that we did last year, but it's a great holding with a strong dividend yield and a totally rational valuation. And that's what I mean. You've been steady, Eddie, on Chevron for a long time. Total, by the way, mm-hmm. big into renewables, too, not just an oil and gas company. They're big into wind mm-hmm. and solar and all the other uh, renewables as well. We, we te- uh, well, I just got the I got the hard wrap in my ear, Jenny. Verizon, quickly, a pick of yours. Verizon also. I'm looking for companies right now that have logical valuations. So Verizon, you've got trading at 10 times earnings with a 4.8% dividend yield and earnings growth in the mid-single digits ahead. Logical valuations is where it's going to be at for the coming year. Chevron, Total Energies, Verizon. I went like this and I got the wrap. Jenny Harrington, we'd love to go longer with you, but we'll just make you get back up early again soon and bring you back on, Jenny. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, folks, as always, we appreciate you getting up early or staying up late to watch Worldwide Exchange. We'll see you same time tomorrow. Squawk Box is up next. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.